welcome to the Hillington Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust podcast. Excellent. Okay, so um, thank you very much for for your time. I'm joined by uh, Dr. Nair, uh, um, having uh, won the uh, the Audible the Audubon team, having won the uh, Cares Award for Equity at uh, our recent staff awards um, here at the Hillington Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust. Uh, Dr. Nair is joined by a couple of colleagues as well today. Uh, if I just get you to, to introduce yourselves and then uh, Dr. Nair will um, explain a bit about the, the team and, and the work they do here at Hillingdon. Hello, my name is Petra Tyserfin and I'm Clinical Specialist Occupational Therapist in Neural Rehab. Hello, I'm Helen Johnston. I'm a physiotherapist, but I'm the therapy team lead on the Audubon Rehab Unit. Thank you. So, uh, so Dr. Nair, would you just like to um, just I mean, introduce kind of the, the team uh, as a whole and just a brief outline of, uh, of what you do? Okay, so we are based at the Alderbourne Neural Rehab Unit. Um, we're based at um, Hendon Hospital and uh, for the past nearly three and a half decades, we've been providing care for people predominantly of a working age. Uh, patients with neurological impairments. Um, the most common conditions that we look after are traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries, complex strokes, and neurological impairments from a multitude of causes. Our patients are younger. Our average age is around 45 to 50. Um, and the goal of our of what we strive towards is trying to get patients back to normal living, if possible, return back to work. If not, if that's not possible, at least give them their independence to live in their own homes. Sometimes even that is not possible because of the severity of impairments. And that is when we try to get them as independent as possible and then move them into nursing homes. Um, the patient for which we have been uh, nominated for the equity award um, was a young, youngish man who had uh, a bleed while he was driving a car, unfortunately crashed his car and then um, was, uh, had suffered a hypoxic brain injury. So he had two insults to the brain and that was in December of last year. And he was uh, initially in intensive care in a tertiary centre in central London and then came back to Hillington as he was Hillington resident. And uh, he was in what we call a uh, lower than a vegetative state, he was in coma. And uh, uh, it's very unusual for patients to be in coma for so many months. And uh, he was in coma for pretty much six to seven months, nearly eight months. Um, and um, somewhere along the way, we were, it was very evident to us, the signs, the scans all indicated that there was absolutely no hope of him recovering. And um, we had to, the family was simply waiting for a miracle that wasn't going to happen. Uh, they were living, the, his daughter was in another country in Romania and his brother was in this country. And um, we struggled to get them to accept the reality. Uh, and ultimately we had to, um, we had to make them some very tough decisions in terms of uh, uh, not putting in a feeding tube and to consider withdrawal of nutrition hydration. And we had to follow due process. Um, when the family and the clinicians are not in agreement, 
we have to um, get a consensus and where that's not possible. We had to get all our clinicians in the trust involved and then move to the court to seek permission for withdrawal of nutrition hydration. And that was a very long and arduous process. Um, and I think my colleagues will tell us a little bit more about the nuances between coma and vegetative state and what they had to do. Well, so I spent uh, quite a lot of time with this gentleman using um, standardized measures and assessments to monitor his levels of awareness um, and all the behaviors. So there's unfortunately no tests or, or scans at the moment that will indefinitely tell you whether somebody has conscious awareness or not. So it's all derived from uh, behavioral observations. So you provide stimulation to the person and see what behavioral responses they show and whether they indicate some conscious awareness of this environment or not. Uh, in this gentleman's case, uh, that, that wasn't. There was some reflex responses that I could elicit, but no other signs that showed any awareness. And that went over over a good course of uh, weeks or months even to obviously make sure that we don't miss any signs that they have to have little pockets. Uh, in this case, as Dr. Now already said, he, he was not even in a low awareness state as such because he had no eye opening as such. He was always asleep and you couldn't wake him. Um, so we're working with the family as well to get them to understand and see whether he has any preferable responses to them, seeing their voices. We were doing video calls, providing a lot of information and support to the family to deal with this sort of very catastrophic um, situation in their lives um, and supporting them, giving them the information on the current situation. Uh, on the guidelines, um, on, on, you know, making decisions um, in the best interest of the person and what wishes they would have had would they find themselves in that situation. And it was obviously understandably very difficult for the family to, to make decisions or inform us around that area. I think he also was quite physically disabled. He had a tracheostomy, so I think Helen uh, the physical yeah. management was challenging as well. No, absolutely. So alongside the sort of monitoring of the low awareness state, the, the MDT team had to ensure that he was, like Dr. Nair saying, physically com comfortable, that he didn't have, that he was positioned appropriately um, throughout a 24 hour period. And we had to make sure that any further complications were limited in terms of his joint range, stiffness, so we make sure that he has a 24-hour care programme, if you like. So we implement regular positional changes, making sure that he's hoisted out of bed into a comfortable chair. And that goes alongside the, the levels of awareness monitoring. Um, so it's very much a team, a team um, effort, 24-hour um, care plan for this patient. So it is, it's making sure that the, patient's that the patient is comfortable but also the levels of awareness are monitored regularly and fed back to the team. And also we have that regular communication with the family who are going through a very difficult time. So there's lots of complexities in looking after these patients that is a real MDT team approach. We learned a lot I mean, in the process in terms of dealing with uh, solicitors, barristers, judges going, presenting the case to the court, being cross-examined by barristers, cross-examined by the family. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, um, the 
the KC for um, us, us trust as well as that of the official solicitor were, were and the judge were, were you know they were very sort of uh, they, they, they talked about our care in very positive light um, and they recognized the challenges we were up against um, and uh, and it was clearly highlighted as a very unusual case that people could remain in coma for eight months after the initial insult and that is extremely rare um, and I think um, the judge um, in the verdict applauded the fact that we decided to do what was right even though it was much harder harder for us harder for the family um, and um, you know followed due process documentation followed the Royal College of Physicians guidelines to the letter uh, not just in carrying out what the assessments that Petra and her colleagues did, but also um, documenting, communicating them, sharing them with the judges and making them understand. And actually, we were really impressed at the depth of knowledge that the barristers from both sides had on the matter. And I think this has it has been published in various. Um, yes, the the. Um... Uh, Coma Recovery Group, they run some blogs, so it was mentioned in there. They, they uh, The Open um, Court, of, um, Court of Protection um, Forum, um, and I think sort of in reflection, having seen the court case, it was actually quite reassuring to see to what detail and in what depth the case was heard. You know, it certainly wasn't taken lightly mm. because it throws up all sorts of very difficult moral dilemmas. Um, and the judge handled it very sensitively and, and I think, you know, it certainly felt like it was looked at from all angles to make sure the right decision was arrived at. Um, to withdraw nutrition yeah. hydration. And the judge himself came and visited the patient on the ward yeah. the day before the hearing. Um, and I think, Petra, you were there to show him around and explain the case. Uh, so, yes, it was a very good learning. But not an easy case. No. It's a summary. And also, um, sorry, I didn't expand on the tracking management side, but we were very supported as well from the critical care mm. outreach team. So it's also worth. No, I think the, the it, trust. It's very much a trust. The entire trust yes. supported us a exactly. lot, including yeah. our medical director, Vicky yeah. Cook, um, uh, our previous medical director. Um, you know, all of them, including palliative care. Palliative team care. Has been so I think we are very grateful to our division as well as to our trust management and the critical care outreach team that we were able to look after a very complex case, um, which is definitely not commonly seen in a DGH setting. And the pastoral services even were involved yes. to support the family in, in their yes. faith. You know, so it was really a very yeah interesting seeing how many people were involved in this person's mm -hmm. journey. And at the end of it, we had the patient died a few days after the court ruling to withdraw nutrition and hydration from natural causes. Um, but the family um, were grateful for the care provided to their loved one. Certainly, and I guess only only sort of now and in the, the following months, could you kind of reflect and look back at, at all these decisions? And I guess when you're in the moment, it's 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 probably quite difficult to 
uh, to kind of come to your terms because tenses a bit and only now you can you kind of reflect it and I guess say how proud you are about uh, how much of it it was a, a uh, you know I guess not your not necessarily you, you know your colleagues but also uh, other other areas of the um, hospital as, as you've said as well yeah don't want to go through that again but yes we learned a lot yes yeah of course yeah and um I mean I guess it's always nice to be honored for for um uh, awards such as these as well but uh, I mean you don't do it for the awards do you but uh, it, it must be a, a nice moment to be uh, recognized in this way as well yes definitely it means a lot that um, you know, potentially this was something that people could have said why do you want to go through this within our trust? Why do you want to, you know, make such difficult decisions? But it was the right thing to do, and the trust supported us. And, uh, respect, uh, uh, and it's not just it's not just about putting pen to paper when things go wrong, but acknowledging things when things go right. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, what what would you say, kind of, is is the biggest lesson that that you've you learned as a as a team from from it? Thing, do the right thing, even if it's not the easy thing. You know, sometimes we've got to make difficult calls, um, and it's not going to be easy. But um, you know, it took us months. Uh, several of my evenings and weekends were ruined in writing reports for the solicitors and judges. Um, but at the end of it, um, you know, when the judge and both barristers acknowledged what we had all done mm. and it was seen by another ec expert and they said they couldn't have done anything differently and that made us feel more reassured that we delivered high quality care better you know as good care as any other unit in the country would have given Great. Well, th I think that's. I mean, that, that's covered everything really. Um, that that's been a, a really useful um, insight and, and really, um, uh, oh, yeah, fascinating. Listen uh, to that from from all three of you. So, um, thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, if we say so really appreciate it, um, and uh, we we will be doing some more uh, interviews with uh, the winners uh, from this year's staff awards um in the, in the coming days so uh, keep an eye out for that as well but thank you very much for listening thank you uh safe uh, uh, paula and petra for your time um and uh, wish you all the best thank, thank, you. You. thank you bye for now so that's it for today's episode thank you for listening please do join in the conversation about this episode tag us in social media and uh, send us any other comments and let us know your thoughts and we'll see you next time <laughs>